started as any other day. To you, thank you, thank you for my present, Matt. Yeah, you're welcome. I I come bearing Swedish fish every week, and Dr Pepper sponsor us. That's right. But this present is much better. I thank you, Cherry Dr Pepper. Cherry Dr Pepper, to be exact. The best one. There, yeah, we talked about this last time. I do. We'll talk about it every time. Yeah, I think we talked about it for our Patreon. How. Dr. Pepper is the best. Well, Cherry Dr. Pepper is the best. Well, we'll talk about it not for our Patreon. We'll talk about it right now. <laughs> Let's talk about it right now. What's the best Dr. Pepper? A cherry Dr. Pepper. All right. Even though cherry is a flavor in Dr. Pepper already. It kind of already is the flavor of Dr. Pepper. Right. So you so might say, it's you might think it's like putting a hat on a hat. But it's like no, saying. But no. It just makes it pop. It's like saying pin number. Right. Okay. Yes. It is like putting a hat in a hat. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. I said that's a hatception. So But it works. It works. Sometimes I mean, you just need to turn it you you need to turn it up to eleven. No, you turn it up to eleven. This 24. one goes up to eleven. No, well you, you just gotta kick it up a notch, you know? Yeah, but it, sometimes it's, like it's already a cherry soda. Well, you know what? Let's make it fucking cherry well, flavored. The thing is And it, it just it's like wow. Holy shit, that's really good. He doesn't want to hear my, my Dr. Pepper facts. Wait, what? Go ahead. <laughs> You're in Dr. Pepper denial. The, you, Dr. Pepper you, has 23 flavors. This is just clearly just an extra flavor of cherry. So now cherry, cherry's two of the 24 flavors in in this cherry Dr. Pepper. So right? it's a, it's 23 flavors, including cherry, but then it's a cherry again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, Okay. whatever. It's working. I mean, yeah, I'm not, it's I'm working. not, yeah, I'm not against it. I like it. I'm for it, actually. And they don't, they won't, they don't order it at the Walgreens nearby, even though they've got the tag on it on the shelf. Mm. And I, I keep thinking, like, should I say something to the manager? Like, why aren't y'all scanning that when y'all order your fucking inventory? Yeah. They uh, might like, be, and they might just be, no, somebody might be going it's, in there and just, just taking it out, man. I, no, no way. It's, oh, it's never there. It's never fucking there. Well, it's always in stock where I go. That's why I always have it with me. Well, I gotta go. It's a treat every week. I gotta go the other way down to the QT to find okay. it. Cool. Are, well, are we recording? Yeah, we've been recording this whole time. And welcome, That's cool. welcome, welcome to another edition of Macabre Reality: True Stories of Everyday Horror, a two for one, and a buy one get one free. Is there any other way to say that besides those two phrases? I was thinking about that today. I don't think so. A two for one and a buy one get one free or a bogo. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. You talking about because there's multiple ep- multiple yeah, cause stories. A, yeah, because it's an extra large thematic yeah. episode once again. Yeah. This time about the sea. Yeah. One of the scariest places I can think of. Uh, yeah. So just think about the ocean. Think about it. Just think about it. Like all the shit. Like, so you're out there waiting, you know, uh, on this on the surface, just bobbing around in the ocean, just going way up in the air when the waves, you know go up and then going down these valleys when the waves go low. That's a perfect description uh, of a wave. Fucking, You're doing great. Yeah. And then all the stuff that's beneath you. 
Excuse me? I don't me? know. What, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> See, the phones. Do they not know we're recording? Uh, so there's just, there's a whole world under there. And there's yeah. gigantic creatures down there. Sure. And there are things that will bite you mm-hmm. and eat you and kill you down there. Yep. Uh, and then think about when it gets dark. Yeah. And you can't see anything. There's no light. I Correct. mean, it's hard to comprehend the total absence of light, but you're in pitch black mm-hmm. and, and the ocean and the massiveness of the ocean. Yes. Just getting heaved. And these people experienced this in both of these stories. And that's yes. frightening. That's a terrifying experience. No land in sight. The sun crushing you during the daytime yeah so then that's the other thing so you got the the fear and and cold and uncertainty of night but then in the daytime um it's so bright and it's so hot and there's no cover and you have no cover none and in the the sun glaring off the water it's almost blinding like you can't you can't you probably can't see after a while you're like absolutely baked yeah. That's like if you just, uh, yeah. It's kind of like if you're just floating around in space and you're just like, all right, well, there's no, I don't, I can't control this. So, <laughs> but at least there's no, nothing to eat you out in outer space. At least I don't know of. We'll see. So, what we'll do you, see. what do you think? Um, would you ever become an ocean going guy? Would no, you ever, man, come on. No. You would never get a big yacht and, you know, no, sailboat. A sloop, no. a sketch, a, a catch, a, a yaller, not a, a trawler. Not a sketch, a catch, a trawler, a yaller, a holler. Not a pontoon. Um, or a Jerry Lawler. Um, not a pontoon or a fucking skeeter or whatever else you want to call them. I don't know. Never. I don't like So it. you're not going out on the ocean. That's not no. your thing. Nope. Is it because you're totally at the mercy of the ocean? Yes. that's that's a good point yeah wait but let me ask you this will you fly in an airplane yeah yeah, i have so why are you comfortable going up into the air where you can fall and crash and i'm not (laughs) say what i'm not but sometimes you gotta go places and i'm more comfortable flying through the air than i am uh on the vast ocean unless it's in a gigantic ship if it's in a if we're talking about a cruise ship type of deal and I'm not on there for seven days. If I'm if I'm traveling, let's say I'm traveling, it takes as long as it takes the airplane to get there, right? Because mm-hmm. that's all I can handle anyways. Yeah, I'll do it on a gigantic ship. Two hours, two and a half hours, five hours. Would you max. go across <laughs> across the Pacific? I mean, if it took five hours, <laughs> yeah. No, I, it won't. It'll, it will not take five hours. <laughs> then no, I'm not going. Okay. Absolutely not. No. No. So here's the thing. Basically, if it goes wrong on a ship, you might be out on the ocean for what could be a, a gruesome death. Yeah. Um, or or you could be rescued. Sure. If you're in a plane and it goes wrong, you're probably just going to die quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much. So, unless, unless um, what's his name? Scully? What the fuck was his name? Is your captain and he just skids on, on the Hudson and just... Sully. Sully. Chester Sully Sullenberger. Sullenberger. That's what that's Scully. Yeah. <laughs> Scully. That's the guy from X Files. X Files. All right. I was like, where are you going with this? Scary shit. Both scary shit. The so truth is there out there. Go. The, the truth just... is out there. Enjoy this episode called Wave Goodbye.
On November 16, 1961, an officer aboard a Greek freighter passing through the Caribbean spotted something unusual. Initially believing he had spotted a fishing dinghy that was much too far out in the ocean, the officer and crew were stunned by what they saw as the freighter drew near to it. It was not a fishing dinghy, but a tiny white cork raft with a little blonde girl sitting atop out in the middle of the ocean, waving feebly at them. When she was lifted aboard the freighter, the crew found she was nearly comatose, unable to speak or stand, and severely sunburned and dehydrated. She had clearly been out on the open ocean for days. But who was she? This is the story of the sea orphan. Yeah. Arthur Depereaux, an optometrist from Green Bay, Wisconsin, had been saving his money for several years to take his family on the adventure of a lifetime. Having sailed the Caribbean during his service in World War II, Arthur longed to return there with his family for a vacation where they would live aboard a yacht and sail from one Caribbean port of call to another. In November 1961, Arthur, his wife Jean, and his three children, Brian, Terry Joe, and Renee, who were 14, 11, and 7 years old respectively, arrived in Fort Lauderdale where they chartered a 60-foot catch which is a two-masted sailboat where the main mast is taller than the mizzen mast, larger than a sloop, similar to a yawl or a schooner, but much smaller than a brigantine and not at all like a U-boat. Uh, so hold on, hold on. And this on. vessel is called the Bluebell. Oh, the Bluebell. I like that name. The Bluebell. So we're talking about the Deperos? Yeah. Spelled Deperalt, though. So, so it looks like Dupero, like D-U-P-P-E-R. Yeah. It's like a French name. Right, right, right. But right. I think it's Depero. Right. And this is the story of Terry Joe, right? Oh, the whole the well, whole clan. Well, but, we'll you'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah we'll, okay. We'll, we'll get to all that. And you said the boat's not a schooner or not a... The, it's me, a the mezzanine foot. is not taller it's than It's similar the, to a schooner. It's a 60-foot uh, catch. It's a, it's a catch. And it's a two-masted catch. So it's but it's ma- similar to uh, you remember Captain Ron? Yes, I think it's probably similar to that boat. I feel like the story's kind of similar. It's we talked well. Yeah, um, when we we're ne- talking about that now. That, yeah, we're talking <laughs> about that now because we ne- we've totally not done this episode before. Um, but yeah, this is basically like uh, Captain Ron if it went real dark. Uh, <laughs> yeah, about halfway through. Yeah, Captain Gone got him. Dr. Depereau also hired one Julian Harvey, who will be our Captain Ron Rico, an Air Force veteran and experienced sailor, uh, and experienced sailor to captain the vessel. Mr. Harvey would be bringing along his sixth wife. That's oh one, my. two. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. Mary Dene, Mary Denae Harvey to serve as the cook. On November eighth. 1961, the Depereau family and the Harveys departed. So, yeah. do you have a good idea of where we're at right now? So, they want to, they're from Wisconsin, a cold state. Yes. Their dream, he, he, um, he served in the Caribbean right. during World War II. And apparently loved it. And was like, oh, it's so much warmer down here. Once is a great person, wants to take his family. Look, yeah, look, has three kids. Just, you know, it sounds like just, you know, the typical all American family. But doesn't trust himself to man a boat for that long, apparently. Or, you know. Right. So I mean, it's, it's not, unusual, sure. no, you, not unusual to hire a captain to. Sure. To. Especially when you're working, I mean, you don't have the time vessel. to fucking do a boat. And you live in Wisconsin, you right. ain't driving a boat around. Well, you know, not, it's one not thing to to know how to do stuff if everything is just right. But, like, if shit goes wrong. 
and you're in the ocean, right? You know, mm-hmm. and you've been living in Wisconsin for all these years. You don't, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be ready. You need, you need an experienced captain. And so then they go find this dude who is also in World War II. He's, He's a an Air Force veteran. Okay. I don't know if I'm sure he was in World War II. Yeah. I think he was. And and an experienced, um, an experienced sailor. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm with it, baby. Yeah, he, I don't feel like this is gonna be a good story, but I'm with it. I know the characters. Yeah. I see. So it's, it's again, it's like if cap, if captain Ron, that movie took place about 30 years earlier in the 19, early 1960s instead of early 1990s, that's kind of what this movie is. And they came from Wisconsin instead of Chicago. And it's an evil captain Ron instead of the regular captain Ron Rico. Well, yeah. Although so far so good. And captain's got his captain Ron's brought his wife to be the cook on the show. His sixth wife. Okay. His sixth wife. Oh goodness. I wonder what happened to the other five. Hmm. Over the next four days, the Bluebell sailed to Bimini, then to Sandy Point in the Bahamas. All the while, the family were indeed having the Caribbean adventure that Dr. Depereau had long dreamt of. However, their dream vacation would soon come to an abrupt and violent end. Thus, oh, well, how nice of him to let them have four days or three days. Yeah. You know, having the time of their life that they saved up for his entire life to do since he experienced it once. Right. Some people, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Thus far in the trip, the Bluebell had only sailed during the day and remained in port at night. On the evening of November 12th, the vessel was out on the open ocean. That evening, after dinner, Terry Joe. Arthur's middle child went to the cabin to sleep while the rest of her family and the Harveys remained on deck. At some point in the night, Terry Joe was awakened by the sound of her older brother screaming, Help, Daddy, help. Help, the, I, help I, I, Daddy. I, I, I think that's a good... Um, help me, Daddy. Wisconsin 11-year-old, I think. Mm-hmm. Help, Daddy, help. Help, help me. Hold on. He's from Wisconsin. So, like, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Help, Daddy, help. Wisconsin. Help, help. Help, Daddy. We're from Wisconsin. We're from Wisconsin. Help us. I'm from Wisconsin. Help, Daddy, help. Help. Is that that a proper Wisconsin? I think it was somewhere in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pick Uh, your favorite and email us it. Uh, then the sound of running on the deck, then silence. Uh, so she heard her brother screaming, then she heard running, then she heard silence. Disoriented and afraid, Terry Joe lay in bed for several minutes before making her way out of the cabin and onto the deck. Good call. Good call. There she discovered to her horror the bodies of her mother and brother in a pool of blood. Then she saw Captain Harvey carrying a bucket who, upon seeing her, pushed her back down the hatch, shouting, Get back down there. <laughs> you think that's you think that's yeah, how Captain that's a, Harvey know, sounded? Because he's not necessarily from Wisconsin. No, I don't think he's from Wisconsin. Okay. I don't know where get, he's from. He's, get back. Can I try it? Yeah. Go go ahead. Get back down there. No, I don't. Get over here. Get, get back down there. Terry Joe returned to her cabin, but minutes later, she noticed that oily water was starting to fill the cabin. Then Captain Harvey arrived, rifle in hand. He stood in the doorway to the cabin, staring her in the eyes, the only sound being the water sloshing around the floor of the cabin. However, the captain turned and went back above deck. Soon the water was waist high, and Terry Joe knew, despite her fear, 
that she had to get out of the cabin and go above deck as well. So basically the boat's sinking. Yes. And, and she's I think- her family has been murdered above deck. She hasn't seen all of them, but she's seen her mother and brother. And she knows Captain went ape shit. He's, he's crazy. But the boat's fucking sinking. She's like, I got to go back up deck. And that's where yeah. the dude is. Yeah. That's where she's at right now. She's got to get out of there or she'll drown. So. Right. You, I, this is, so you if know, a ship is drowning, you don't want to be below deck. You don't want to be below deck. And she's 11 years old. This is pretty. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's just human nature, I suppose. For This 11-year-old is a survivor. So She had the she right stuff. Her. She had the right stuff. And she did. And and we're not we haven't even got into that yet. No, just saw her mother and brother in a pool of blood. Now the ship's sinking. Okay. When she returned to the deck, she saw Captain Harvey lowering the vessel's dinghy into the water. She asked if the ship was sinking, to which he responded, "Yes, yes, yeah, yes, it's sinking." Yes. He then asked her if the dinghy was loose. Is the dinghy loose? <laughs> yes. Is the dinghy loose? Oh, he asked her? Yeah. Oh. No. To which she responded that she did not know. I did not know. <laughs> he then told her, hold the rope, the one that's attached to the dinghy, while, while I go to retrieve supplies. Okay. She didn't respond to that. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> However, in her shock and fear, the rope slipped through her hand. Seeing this, Cap- <laughs> seeing this, Captain Harvey dove overboard and swam toward the dinghy, leaving Terry Joe on the sinking boat. So now, hmm. she's alone on a sinking ship. And he took the dinghy. Because he took off in the dinghy. Uh, so, what it, so what is she going to do, Josh? She's going to survive. What? Well, But, hey, let me, let me just ask you this. Yeah. I saw somewhere that he had a body on the dinghy with him. Yes, he picked up, and I think we'll get to it later, but he picked up a body, and it was her sister, her younger oh. sister. And, and to try to use theories. that as proof yeah, that, like, right. hey, this was a total freak to, accident. Yeah, I tried, and to, I tried save to save her. her. Yeah, exactly. It's the only one that could fit. Exactly. Yeah, okay. What an asshole. I can't wait, because I know what the motive is, obviously. He's just, a, just, he's just a piece of shit. Insane. I wonder if he did this to his, you know, Past five wives and how many families he's taken out. Anyways. I feel like if you've been married six times, mm. something wrong with you. Something, something's wrong with you. It couldn't have been the other person six times. So she's on. The, she's aboard yeah. this uh, uh, sinking sixty-foot catch. Uh, the captain's taking the dinghy. So now she's like, I'm fucked. But she recalled that a small white cork raft. Oh. Lashed to the boat's forward deck, and she made her way to it. By this point, the deck was becoming a wash, and she frantically untethered the raft. She got on the raft as the boat went under, and for a moment, the raft was pulled under as well as a line on the raft was caught on some part of the sinking boat. So she almost lost this one chance to survive because you need some kind of raft. You can't just be bobbing around the ocean. Man, what luck! And it was it was getting pulled down with the with the ship. It's like, oh, what with the boat? Oh, shit. However, it quickly became loose, and the raft surfaced. Ooh, that was suspenseful. At that point, Terry Joe was afraid Captain Harvey, evil Captain Harvey, might be somewhere nearby in the pitch darkness. I 
wonder if he's somewhere nearby in the pitch darkness. Oh, she, yeah. She said, no, I, fuck you. I do, Captain Harvey. Yeah, huh. Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking coming on my territory. Sorry. Fuck you. I'm sorry. You know, turn off, turn off the recording. Turn turn off the recording. Everybody, stop listening. Take out, stop listening. Turn off the radios. You know what? Fuck you. Yeah, everyone, everyone, turn it down. I got, I got to, I got to talk to Josh for a second. So just turn it down. Turn it down. Improv. What the fuck are you doing? If what the fuck are you doing? I'm sorry. If Get your improv, fucking act together. I need you to. Okay. Get your fucking act together. You know, we're just we're improv. Okay. All right, everybody, you can turn it back up. All right. Hey. Even I, don't, I don't know how they would hear that, hey. but. She stayed. Oh, <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, so yes, she was afraid Captain Harvey might still be around. So she stayed low and quiet. Her her ordeal, however, had reached a new phase. So now she's on this tiny little cork raft. Um, let me try to describe it. It's yeah. basically like a styrofoam um, kind of ring, but not sir. It's, it's rectangular, not circular, and there's mesh n- mm-hmm. netting in the middle. Yeah, it's not really meant to survive on for it's meant to kind of hold on to while you're in the water and be pulled back in you ever been yeah, to a public it's, pool it's that life that life um buoy but in a square shape right or a rectangle shape instead of a circle right with a net also attached to it right but it's not like a dinghy where you can survive in it for and it has no edges period of time so and part we'll, of your body's hanging off of it yes yeah so she was trying to it was hard for her to even sit upright in it. it's not really meant for that um, but she was able to, hmm. the cloud cover that evening ensured that there was absolutely no light. So she's in pitch black out in the middle of the ocean Oh, on this tiny little cork raft with her feet in the ocean. Oh my God. Terry Joe was out in the middle of the ocean in total darkness. Waves would crash down upon her without warning. Oh yeah. So there was that too. When Dude. a, when a crate, when a wave crests and crashes on you and you can't even see it. It just hits you. A fucking wall of water just fucking hits you. It's like, I'm, shit. I'm not even kidding you. I'm so anxious right now. I just got Wouldn't so that anxious. Suck? Thinking about that. Yeah, it would suck. And at any moment, she could have been knocked off the raft. Like, or knocked off the little buoy thing. Like, man, come on, girl. Get you some, Terry Joe. Let's go. Let's go, Terry Joe. Later, a sudden rainstorm left her drenched and shivering. So that's the thing. It's like, even though in the Caribbean at night, it's fucking, yeah, oh yeah. it's cold. It's going to want to be in cold. Um, and it's usually windy on the ocean. Especially if you're soaking, if, if you're soaking wet. Terry Joe was in nothing but a thin, Terry Joe was in nothing but a thin shirt and corduroys. She had no food or water and a raft and on an oblong ring of canvas covered cork with a net webbing in the middle, which we've already described. Right. Uh, was only designed to be in the water for a few hours. It was not designed to be ridden on for days. Thus, it was too small and unstable for her to even lie down, forcing her to sit upright throughout the entire ordeal. Man. This is a several day of this. So she had to sit up the whole time. Couldn't lay down. That is terrible. As sun broke the next day, the initial relief of warmth that it provided soon gave way to a much more serious threat than the chill she felt the night before. The Caribbean sun is brutal to those without protection. Yeah. And I know this firsthand. I do too. Because I've gotten like sun poisoning yeah. on my fucking legs. On when your I was legs? Down, yeah. Uh, when I was down in uh, the Bahamas, it will fucking cook you. Yeah, dude. I had it on my nose. I had to take Epsom salt baths. Dang. And then I just snorted this, the bath salts. <laughs> and, and you fucking ate your dad's face. Ate many a face. <laughs> but it didn't heal my legs. So... What was it worth it is what I'm asking. Was it worth it? 
No, you could have easily put sunscreen on, and that wouldn't have happened to you. You know, so no, it, it wasn't fucking worth it. hurt. Unless I could, I could barely walk. It, it was terrible. Do you have a killer tan now to this day because of it? Uh, no, I do not. Well, no, it wasn't. I feel worth like it. I don't tan as well now than I did when I was younger. You, that, does that yeah, make that's sense? Absolutely true. Is yeah, that yeah. is that real? That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think just kind of everything gets kind of shittier as you get older. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Some things are, are better. I mean, you can kind of get, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's not all bad, but I mean, over the long haul, it does all go south. Well, yeah. You're, you're like 80 years old, 90. Down. It's all going to break <laughs> well, <yeah>. down. <laughs> you know? You're saying that people get old and break down and break apart. Yeah, that's what happens. That's true. Yeah. But anyways, but yeah, you got to watch out for that fucking Caribbean sun because... <laughs> It'll cook you. It'll cook you and watch it'll out cook you. for time because it'll it burst will make the, you old. So it'll burst the little capillaries in your in your legs or wherever it, wherever it burns you. Yep. And that's what it did to me. It was like basically, oh, it was terrible. It was fucking terrible. Yes. Uh, it, so the sun began to scorch her and the flimsy raft. Um, and later when that raft was pulled out of the water, it practically disintegrated. So that should give you an idea of how this thing is going to hold up. Yeah. That shows like a fucking pinata. Moreover, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was no candy in it. Uh, moreover, because she had to sit upright on the raft, her feet and lower legs dangled in the water and were bitten by fish. No. All the while, Terry Joe wondered where her father was and prayed. So that was so she didn't see right. Her dad. She didn't see. So mm. she saw her mother and brother. She did not see her sister and dad. Yeah. But she was wondering where her dad was. Well, he's gone. He, he well yeah. yeah we'll get to all that he's the Martin Short in the story uh, yeah you know from Captain Ron and so without the without the heroic ending he's no longer with us meanwhile Captain Harvey had been rescued by an oil tanker on November 13th that son of a fucking bitch the day after the bluebell went down so the very next day Captain Harvey gets saved in oh, his yeah. dinghy he also had the body of Terry Joe's younger sister Renee Captain Harvey would go on to tell investigators that a sudden storm had caused the main mast to break and the fallen rigging prevented him from rescuing anyone else aboard. Fuck, man. Little high-ass bitch. And you know what rigging is? I The stuff that holds everything together? It's all the ropes and shit. Ropes and, yeah. yeah. Um, ropes so and pulleys. it kind of prevented him from, from being able... That's his story. That's, of course, not true. <laughs> uh, so he further claimed that he saw Renee's body floating in the water and so he couldn't leave her there so he took the body on board. Oh, isn't that um, nice of him? He's a good guy. Although authorities were suspicious, both of Captain Harvey's calm demeanor and the fact that he had plenty of supplies in his dinghy, they had no other evidence to go on regarding what had happened. Yeah, he's just like, hey, uh, yeah, so somebody, a boat just went down. There's a storm. I just had he this had this, little girl. He, he had this boat book in his dinghy. He's like, <laughs> I want, I how want to kill everybody on your boat and sink it and get away scot-free. He's like, also, I got five sandwiches. Um. Y'all want one? I got too many. I can only eat one. I can maybe eat two. So, you know, I don't know. But thank you for rescuing me. Oh, by the way, here's this three-year-old little girl. I saved her. Or Actually, she's dead, but I tried. Search planes scoured the area where the bluebell went down but spotted nothing. Terry Joe, sitting on her raft, saw one. In fact, it passed practically right overhead. But because the plane at that point was banking in the other direction... Only on the, only the underside was facing her, making it impossible for the pilots to see her. And you know what I keep saying? 
They need to make glass bottom planes. Glass bottom boats. They already got that. Oh, yeah. And we do that every weekend yeah. before we start podcasting. <laughs> yeah. but I'm That's why about, I just got it on the mind, on the brain <laughs> yeah. all the time. I'm talking. Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm talking <laughs> about glass bottom planes so you can see people. Glass bottom boats? No, planes. <sighs> they have those, and we do that every every time before we well, start podcasting. Well, the planes don't sound as much fun. Well, that's to rescue people. That The other thing is to poop on you. So, anyways, the plane was banking in the, the other direction. However, the main problem in her being spotted, aside from being on a very small, and that is two and a half by five foot raft, was the fact that the raft was white. Thus, it blended in with the countless white caps out in the ocean. And the longer it took for a rescue to occur, the farther out to sea J- Terry Joe would be, as she was in the Gulf Stream, which would carry her across the Atlantic towards the British Isles. Hey. That's, well, I mean, you know, there is a light at the end of every tunnel. That's kind of neat. And that would have been nice. And she's just kind of riding a a fucking... Just kind of ride your... A piece of shit. Ride your little coal craft to the British Isles. I like, ride your little coal craft. Ride your little coal craft. Ride your little coal craft to the British Isles. To the British Isles. And the longer it took for a rescue to occur. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. We actually um, we actually were harmonizing for a second. Yeah. There. I don't know if it was in key. But. I, yeah, I don't know, but we'll roll with it. Uh, in the end, Terry Joe would suffer through scorching days and teeth chattering nights for the next 84 hours. That's like one, two, three. I, I don't, that's like four days-ish. At, yeah. At least. Eight, what's 48 times two? Uh, eight, like 96. 96. So like. Almost four days? Um, A little less than four days, but very close. Goodness. In the middle of the ocean. About three and a half days. So she sat up straight for three and a half days. Yeah. That's, imp- that's in that the itself ocean, is impressive. In yeah. the fucking Caribbean. Her skin and eyes burned. Her lips cracked. Severely dehydrated. Her mind hallucinating. And her body exhausted to the point that she could barely wave when on November 16th, almost almost four days after the blue, well, it was three and a half days. Yeah, come on. come on, we did the math. Um, Nikolaus, so it was on what fucking day did I say? November 16th. Yep. Nicol, Nikolaus Spekadekis. Yep. Uh, second off of the, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I did that last time. <laughs> yeah. I did do that shit last week. Snippadapadus. Nicholas Spekadakis. Second something. Nicholas Spekadakis, second officer of the Captain Theo, the aforementioned Greek freighter, spotted her wrapped in the water. And this is a crazy, fucking crazy needle in the haystack part of this story. This was a remarkable occurrence. Scanning the ocean, Spakadakis just happened to notice that one of the innumerable whitecaps out there wasn't disappearing. It was about a mile away. It was enough to pique his interest and that of the freighter's captain to investigate, and that saved Terry Joe's life. Yeah, man. Spakadakis spottyottied the girly-whirly on the floaty-woaty and saved-he-waved her. Yeah. <laughs> saved her-waved her. So, man, good for Spakadakis. What was his name? Nikolaus Spakadakis. A great name. Um, I bet he has great hair. He's Greek. Uh, he's Greek. Yeah. Um, but isn't that crazy? That's, like he just so he's just looking out there, 
imagine times when you're just looking out into some horizon with yeah. a lot of shit. Especially, or if you're at the ocean, you see all the, the white caps. And imagine just seeing one that just didn't go away mm-hmm. and just kind of dialing in on that. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck is that? Why is that not going away? There's actually a picture, and I'll post it. I don't know how he did it. It's crazy. Yeah. So two and a half, two, two and a half feet by five feet. Yeah, and they're way up there in that in a gigantic. And ship. they're a massive ship. Yeah, and he just happened to be scanned the, the horizon of the fucking ocean. There's countless white caps. Yep, and he just and, happens to see one that just doesn't disappear. Yeah, and he just notices that, and that and saved her life. Got blonde hair. Bucked, she's gonna white that shit. Booked, Captain Harvey. Yeah. Evil Captain Ron. The next day, November 17th, in Miami, Florida, Captain Harvey was in the middle of an interrogation when he was informed that Terry Joe had been rescued and that her condition was improving. It's crazy how we have this, but we actually have audio of his reaction. Oh, uh, f- uh, fine. <laughs> Let me just get uh, something out of my car. Having, ex- <laughs> having excused himself from the interrogation, Captain Harvey checked into the nearby Sandman Motel under an assumed name. After writing a suicide note that gave no explanation or apology for his actions, Harvey slashed his thighs, ankles, and jugular vein in the bathroom. His body was discovered two hours later by a maid. So Why? he's like, well, I guess that's it for me. He didn't have a gun? That girl, he, he could have, I bet he was like, I should have shot that girl. What the fuck? Why didn't he shoot himself? Did he not have any more bullets? Why is he going to make a mess? Uh, he's know. just an all-around asshole from beginning to end. God, that's a that's a messy, that is a messy fucking way and, to and, go. And the, and the maid found you. So now she's, the only thing she's thinking is, I got to clean this up now. And now the Sandman Motel, which was always bound to be a haunted place of terror. Because it's called the Sandman Hotel. Um, now it's it's going to be. It's well on its fucking way now that you did that shit. Now people are going to see your, like, when they look in the mirror in the bathroom, they're going to see you in a pool of, in a yeah. tub full of blood. Yeah. They, and then yeah. they're going to turn around and look, but there's nothing there. They have to say, Julian Harvey, Julian Harvey, Julian Harvey, mm-hmm. Julian. You got to say Julian Harvey three times and then just Julian. But then just Julian. Yeah. For him to show up. And what he does is um, he just sits down and slices, slices his own uh, thighs open. <laughs> Why was he, <laughs> was he trying to find the ephemeral or something? Is that what's down there in your thigh? Isn't there like a main vein? Uh, yeah, there, yeah, there's a yeah, there's like a main vein. And then the jugular is up here in the neck, obviously. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I that's um. So that's pretty much it. Uh, so he killed himself. So he killed because himself because he found out. He she was yeah. So they nursed her back to health. Uh, she was pretty bad off for yeah. a while, but obviously she recovered. She's still alive today. Um, she yeah. She wrote. So she wrote a book called "Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean" by Terry Dep- Terry Depero Fassbender. She's married to she, Michael Fassbender. No. That's the craziest it's, twist of everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so from wow, from dude. being abandoned, so from being the sea orphan, little girl out in the middle of the ocean, to being married to a handsome movie star, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Uh, she's come a long way. It's been it's great for her. Even though she is uh, much older than he is. Great actor. But that's interesting. And she has three kids. Um, I think three kids. Yeah, whatever. And... She I mean, said, "Do we care?" She wanted to live by the ocean. Oh she well, she so for like, 
up until she was in her 30s. She could not accept her because she didn't see her dad. Right. She, and she never saw her dad. It, it, I think they they surmised, they had to kind of just piece together what they think happened. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that he shot, that the, Julian Harvey shot the dad yeah. and pretty well shot the whole family. Yeah. So she, And his wife. Yeah, his wife. I, oh, it was knows. all because of a. She, he wanted to get insurance money Terry, from his fucking wife. Right. Yeah. Forty thousand. Which he had done. He had had another one. One of his no, six, One of his five previous wives, um, had also died in a car wreck, and he had gotten. And they realized in retrospect, like this, I was suspicious, but at mm-hmm. the time they didn't, and they ruled it an accident. And he got a bunch of insurance money, and, and so he had also wrecked many boats. Yeah. And gotten insurance money, so he was a he was a shady guy. Yeah, all he's around. a fraudster. Yeah, he was a yeah exactly. It was only for twenty thousand dollars too. That's ridiculous. Yeah. one hundred eighty thousand dollars now. Yeah, man, stupid to do all that. Really stupid. I guess um, she was. Um, but it's just weird. Like so, it's, Terry Joe survived because she decided to go down below deck yep. to sleep in the cabin, and everybody else stayed above deck, maybe playing Yahtzee. You know, you can imagine people which hey, let's <laughs> let's stay above deck and and enjoy out in the ocean. But then playing at Yahtzee. some point, yeah, playing Yahtzee. Okay. Um, and then, like on Captain Ron, yes. Okay. Um, actually, they're playing. They're, they're playing Monopoly. Monopoly. Okay. I see where um, you But anyways, no. At some point, he pulled out a fucking gun or something. Like yeah. we're not. We don't know exactly how it all went down. But at some point, he fucking. And we know we heard there. Was, she'd heard running. Um. So who knows how it went yeah. down? But he wound up killing everybody above there. Yeah. And so good for her for staying down there and being like, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna Well yeah Well everything got quiet And then yeah. she's like Okay what the fuck yeah. And then that's when She went out and like He's cleaning up and shit And preparing to, yeah. to So wouldn't she Just disembark So she would travel Like beach to beach And look for her dad Yeah right, For a while So it took her until She was in her 30s To just accept that he's gone That he died And she didn't do that For her sister Because I'm, I'm assuming The cops were like He had your sister with him well, yeah, we, they, we they, saw her. So she saw, her, saw body, her mom and her brother, right, and then and, and then other people yeah. saw her sister because right. she was on okay. board. So it was only her dad that was just totally unaccounted for. Right, man, that is that's sad. And yeah, I think she lives by the ocean for that reason. But I think she accepted, obviously. But yeah, she did accept when she met Michael Fassbender. He helped her. Yeah, through it. So that's he gave her that story. Fassbender dick, and that um. <laughs> <laughs> bender dick I don't I don't like the way that sounded that bender dick <laughs> <laughs> that sounds painful <laughs> when the freighter came up on her she thought that she was watching some massive piece of metal or something it's sort of like the way she described it made me think of that scene in Donnie Darko that brief scene where it shows those big objects floating over the ocean. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the big blocks. Yeah. Yeah. If something like that, I think she was hallucinating something like that when the freighter came out. Like she didn't recognize what it was. No, yeah. She just saw this massive wall and shadow just kind of appear over her. If you're hallucinating because you are, because of exposure, yeah. You don't, you don't, you can't comprehend shit. You don't know what's going on. Like, and then, like you said, when they got her on the boat, she couldn't talk. She couldn't do anything. No. So I can't, yeah. So seeing that must have been like, and I think All right. she well uh, here we go I don't yeah. know what's happening right now and I think she hallucinated lights in the water at night or something like that or like racetracks or like or like um oh, runways or something like that like lights something like that yeah but she had all kinds of crazy ass hallucinations that's that'd be you know if you're gonna it, it you would know, almost be worth it eh, um no but if you're out there you know what what do you think about you tripping might on well, acid might as well trip. 
tripping on acid and being left out in the ocean no. overnight. Absolutely not. But somebody will pick you up. They, they put a GPS on you, whatever. They'll pick you up, but you're going to be out there. They'll put you on a raft, um, but they're going to leave you out there just tripping like crazy, and you could just have whatever kind of experience. Wouldn't that be the ultimate like hyperbaric chamber? No. One, one of those, you know what I'm talking about with the water inside where they close it. Would you do that shit? Absolutely not. No. You wouldn't even do that? No. Why would you do that when you could do the exact same thing on land in like maybe the desert? Or no, no, no. I'm talking about would you would you get in those um, chambers they have oh, yeah. on land Hell in a, in a yeah, building where it's in water and you lay in the water and everything's completely black? Yeah. I would do that. Would you do it fucked up? I think that's the only way you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think they let you in there without they're like, doing it. They're like, oh, here, smoke this. What the fuck? What are you doing? What, what are you doing? doing? You're going to smoke while you're in there. <laughs> fuck are you doing? <laughs> fuck out of here. Are you not fucked up right now? Get out of here. They should make the water just pure acid. Oh, my God. And you're just sitting you, in it? You just let, you're just you're floating in it. You would be Seeping it dead. in. You would die. Your, your <laughs> you mind would, would Yeah, you, you would, would be gone. Lose your, you would lose your mind. You'd be gone. Yeah. Um... So that's a crazy ass story. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. crazy. That's that's like they. I swear, when they decided to make Captain Ron, they're gonna make this movie, and they're like, let's let's be let's upbeat it up. about it. Let's Disney it up a little Let, bit. Let's imagine if everything went okay. Well, yeah, yeah. And Captain Ron actually taught lessons through his stupidity over Ca- over the movie, over the course of the movie. He, well, Captain, yeah, yeah. That's very frightening. You wouldn't go out in the middle of an ocean tripping on acid. Uh, tripping on acid? No. And somebody come pick you up for uh, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe. So I would like to go out on a vessel out in the ocean where it's totally dark, where you could see the stars, because mm-hmm. I think that would be amazing. In fact, I've, I've talked to guys that have been in like the Coast Guard and shit, mm-hmm. and they always say that's probably thing. the best part. Yeah. I mean, you know, besides getting some action, <laughs> besides getting some some Panamanian action, some action. All right, cool. Great story. Fucking crazy as shit. Good survivor story. Also, good murder story. So this is a story that ended much better than uh, the other story that that we uh, haven't done. Um, So sometimes the sea giveth, and sometimes the sea taketh away. Yeah. So enjoy this next story that's coming up. And now, on with the show. Here we have the tale of a young couple left to their fate in the middle of the ocean. This is Abandoned at Sea. Tom and Eileen Lonergan were a young married couple who had just spent the previous few years teaching for the Peace Corps in Southeast Asia. They had met at Louisiana State University, LSU to most people, where Eileen had taken up scuba diving and got Tom into it as well. Thus, as they would soon be returning to the States, Tom and Eileen decided to go on a scuba diving trip to, to Australia's northeast coast. And I'll point out here that I'm not entirely sure. We talked about this before the episode that right. they were returning to the United States, like, imminently, but they were going to be returning. Uh, yeah, because they were out doing, like, good stuff for people. And they, like, they were doing two-year stints with what the do you Peace call Corps. That? Peace Corps, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. You knew what I was saying. The couple purchased tickets to go out on a day boat called the Outer Edge. That's the name of the boat, the Outer Edge, um, where they would be two among 26 passengers and five crew. 
On Sunday, January 25, 1998, the boat departed from Port Douglas and headed out to the Coral Sea where the divers would be... Are you... I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me... St- let, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know. I'm sorry. You, I, you just sorry, like, sorry, sorry. I, was I, I felt like you were reacting in a way that I was like, "Are we on?" Like, no, you, no, 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 no. I, I got, sorry. I got it in my mind that my you thought we were doing a different story. No, because no, we, no, no. we had not explicitly talked about what story we were doing, like at all. I feel like, and I, was, I kept thinking to myself, no, "What good. if we were doing different stories?" No. <laughs> and then, like, that's not what I happened. felt like you were reacting in the corner of my eye, and I was like, uh, "No, man, uh, this is honestly what happened." You said twenty six. People plus five crew, crew, mm-hmm. and I'm just I was literally wondering like how this could happen. I, I, we, can, I mean, you're about to get to it, but I was just like thinking in my head like, what do they do? Just go like 18, 19, 20. Oh, you're talking about doing the head count? Yeah, there's oh, cool. Yeah, so you're sure. in the story. Yeah, yeah, that's no, right, cool. All right, um, I'm listening. All right, word. So uh, yeah, on Sunday, January 25th, the boat. And this is 1998. The boat departed from Port Douglas and headed out to the Coral Sea. Don't take any of that out, by the way. <laughs> to the Coral Sea, where the divers would be checking out various reefs, which form part of the Great Barrier Reef. The boat would be stopping at three different places that day for the divers to explore. The Lonergans, who had 160 dives between them, had asked uh, not to dive with a dive master, which is not unusual for more experienced divers. Well, they studied diving at damn LSU. I mean, they were That's diving since like. their days at LSU. Uh, is that something you'd ever get into as a hobby? I can't. And I'll tell you for two two reasons. One, because I wear glasses and I cannot see without them. And I'm not getting contacts just to go scuba diving. Mm-hmm. Two, I'm pretty much terrified of the ocean. And this is one of the reasons. This story is one of the reasons. I mean, right. not this story in particular, but having, having this happen, not with it, so... Yeah, I don't I mean, think so. No, I right. Don't think so. And we'll talk about that more later about yeah. about the ocean and our relationship mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. The first two dives uh, that day went off without a problem, but on their third dive around 3 p.m., the Lonergans went off on their own. When they surfaced less than an hour later, their boat was gone. Dun dun dun. Man, and here's where they messed up. They went on three dives in the same day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's too many dives. Well, in a day. I mean, they love it. They love it, and they. I mean, I guess you don't get, to, they didn't get enough of it. Uh, I guess you don't, <laughs> that's really all it comes down to. Uh, one crewman later told reporters that he believed the couple, quote, just stayed under too long and missed the boat. No shit, Sherlock. Uh, he stated that there was a head count done before the boat uh, left the, the area to return to shore, and the head count was correct. However, another couple who had boarded the boat after their dive had returned to the water, so they were, and then were counted again when they reboarded, leading to a false head count. Oh! So they got on the guy notched two, you know, strike one, strike two, you know, you you know four, then you do the the line across. So that's how. So it he happened. put it on there, and then when they got back in the water, he didn't erase it. So when they got back on a second time, he marked them again. So two people got marked Jeez. twice. I hope the and that's, that's what accounted for the they had a correct. Uh, head count, but not the right amount of people. Listen to me, Ghost Lonergans, Tom and Eileen, uh, and I like the name Eileen. That's my mother's name. But we don't know they're need, dead. We, okay, we, they, we never found their bodies. Well, if you're dead out there and you can hear me, you need to go haunt these two people who mm-hmm. got in the water and got back out of the water. Yeah, and also the guy who counted them twice. Blame well, here's uh, well, here's what I was thinking. Why wouldn't you just have a list of the name, like a passenger manifest, and then you check off people by name? Yeah. I mean, obviously. Doesn't that make a lot more sense than just doing the tally marks? Yeah. 
That would make I mean, so this, these are people. These are fucking like, people. Huh, they look different than when I saw them earlier. Oh, well, don't matter. Well, it's, it's going to get more ridiculous. At no point during the trip back did anyone notice that the couple was missing. So when the boat returned to Port Douglas, the crew noticed a bag which had been left behind after the passengers departed, but did not investigate and simply moved the bag out of the way. Furthermore, they apparently failed to notice that the boat was missing two tanks and two dive belts. So I guess the tanks and dive belts, that goes with the boat. is not something that you bring along as a diver, I, I guess. Because apparently that's something they, they ought to, I mean, it should have been like, oh, that's a, those are big. Those tanks are big. Can you hear my eyes rolling out of my fucking head right mm-hmm. now? I mean, every, every story, there's this kind of I shit. I cannot believe this shit. The Outer Edge would re- return to the same reef the next day on another tour. We're not done yet, Josh. And a diver from the vessel on that tour the next day even found dive weights resting on the bottom in the same area where the Lonergans had last been seen. But at this point, the crew were still unaware of the fact that they had abandoned the couple the day before and considered the dive weights simply to be a lucky find. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, sh- wait a second. We Fucking hey, we got some extra, extra and We just weights. lost dive weights yesterday. Huh, so that's, that's how lucky is that? We just we, found exactly. We gained a bag, too, with two licenses in it. And, but man, whatever. These white people are crazy. It was not, well, I mean, the crew were probably all white people as well. Oh, I know. They're in Australia. Um, yeah. Uh, it was not until, <laughs> all right. It was not until late Tuesday, the 27th, some 51 hours later, when the boat's captain, Jack Nairn, maybe that's where, you get your, maybe that's where you're getting that accent you're doing, uh, looked in Told the bag. You. He looked into the bag that the Lonergans had left on the boat, found their wallets and passports, and then he, uh, then the authorities were notified. That's when they first realized they left a couple, 51 hours later. Police checked their hotel and confirmed they had never returned, and then a massive search was launched with 17 planes, two helicopters, several private boats, and Navy divers covering a 3,200-square nautical mile area. After three days, police called off the search as the currents by that time had, uh, could have carried them far from the original dive area. Moreover, a large amount of debris caused by a recent uh, cyclones had made spotting difficult. In the ensuing weeks, several <laughs> items belonging to the couple would wash up along the shoreline. Eileen's wetsuit washed ashore in North Queensland. An examination of the suit revealed tears along the buttock and armpit area, which examiners believe were caused by coral. In the same month, Tom's buoyancy compensator, which is a device used to establish neutral buoyancy underwater and positive buoyancy at the surface. And do you know what neutral buoyancy is? I'm going to guess that it's when you're in the underwater and you don't go up or down. That's exactly right. Good job. You know what negative buoyancy is? Probably when you go down. And you know what positive points oh, Yeah, when you're coming up, you baby. Go, man. Hey, I, I fucking put you through submarine school and you learn. Hey. Uh, why, so they, that, his buoyancy compensator washed ashore on a, in a crocodile-infested beach uh, 110 kilometers, which is 68 miles to regular people, north of Port Douglas. <laughs> this sparked a resumption in the search, and further items were found in the ensuing days, including Eileen's fin, which is a flipper to non-divers, uh, and then her buoyancy compensator, wetsuit hood, and one of their tanks. None of the items had damage consistent with shark or crocodile attacks. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So, and we'll get to, uh, in a little bit, what pro- how it probably went down for them. And we'll also talk about uh, the movie Open Water and how it went down for them. Oh, because it went down differently. It went down differently. Okay. Uh, six months later, a diver's slate, which is like a board that you can write on like underwater, it's used to communicate underwater, uh, washed ashore and it contained the following message. 
Monday, January 26, 1998, 8 a.m. To anyone who can help us, we have been abandoned on Asian Court, Agen Court Reef by MV Outer Edge, January 25th, 1998, 3 p.m. Please help to rescue us before we die. Help. Help with three exclamation points. Uh, you'd probably have to say it with more. You say it. You do the, you do the help part. Help! Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think I blew out my microphone. Somebody's ear out there. Sorry, Mob. It was not long. <laughs> it was not long after their disappearance. Um, so that's so that's all the stuff that washed ashore. And that, and again, that that message that washed ashore um, like six months after a lot of that other stuff. But I think for a while their stuff was kind of washing on shore. I feel like I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they're doing so good out there. They, ain't got, <laughs> yeah. they don't got no fins. They, they ain't got no oxygen tank. Their oxygen tank's gone right here. But then, oh, ooh, so this, this this pad says okay. help. We're gonna die. This so how how is your like rageometer right now as far as what's happened? Oh, this is okay. This is my worst nightmare. Literally, my worst nightmare. When I went to Costa Rica, and I've only been out of the country one time because I don't want to get left behind on shit. And man, I made sure I kept my eyes when we got to get off the boat and go like to the bathroom and shit. I kept my eyes on the boat driver when he got back on the boat. Yeah, I was yeah. back on the boat and I was like, hold on, you know, you know, come on, make was sure it, the person I'm with it, comes with me. Was it because you watched open water? Yeah. And I don't want to get left and I'm not going into the water. But if it happens, then um, and when we were taking these speed boats. Yeah, I remember you talking about you could, you could only get to that village one, by water. Mm-hmm. And uh, they come around boats. this corner, yep. and these these dudes aren't careful. They just want to get the people off the boat because that's their job all day long. They probably make more money the more trips yep. they make. And, uh, man, you, we almost hit one. If that would have happened, we would have been in the water, and there's crocodiles in that water. So, no, I don't want to think about it. I don't like it. I'm not doing it. But as far as what – yeah, so we, we understand. Um, I think we're on the same page there. Mm-hmm. But as far as the – what was mistakes the that have been made like how, oh, yeah, where's no. your rageometer as oh, far as uh, at, what's going on and ter- like because this is maximum. this was an entirely preventable this is not like act of god like nobody could have stopped it or just very like, like this is like a basic fucking count the people like make mm-hmm. sure the right like do another count before you I mean, you should be doing multiple head counts listen and really again a fucking tally count is not the way to do it 26 get write their names down have them write their fucking names down when they get on the boat yeah and then you check them off by name who are you find them on the fucking list yeah yep because then you would be like all right where the hell are the lonigans here a better idea for you 26 people give each crew member five fucking people to be in charge of one gets six and you know what there you go well you can do that in addition to what i'm talking about that's sure. fine but but you definitely you, break you definitely down. need to be having their all their names written down and checking them off individually. Oh, I guarantee you before the, you leave the dive area. If that guy who had who had marked and them then off again the water, at the fucking uh, again when they get off the boat, I've thought about this. All right, um, too much. The guy who marked them off and when they got off and got back in, if that motherfucker only had to watch five people, there's no fucking way he would have done that. He'd be like, there's See, I, three. I don't know if I and like the idea. Three still. There are two. What the? F- I don't know. I can't do math. Here's my here's here's the thing about your idea is you're compartmentalizing it. I feel like it, it needs to makes be it safer. I don't know about that. Because what if are the are the group leads? Are they communicating with each other? Are they all are they on the same boat? Or trustable? No? Yeah, they're on the same boat. Okay, but I mean, you're you're gonna have different people in charge of different people, and then I feel like that's people can slip through the cracks that way. I think one person needs to be in charge of the passenger manifest, 
and they need to fucking check off the names. What are the other five people doing? They're, they're fucking members. manning the boat. They still have a boat to sail. Shit. How big is this goddamn boat? I don't know. It's big enough to carry 31 <laughs> fucking people. Yeah, that is a pretty big boat, I guess. All right. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just... Oh. I don't know, but it, it's, it's, I hate it. You, you feel like, you feel range. like, yeah, you feel like they could have done better than, uh, tally marks. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They could have done better than tally marks. <laughs> that's, yes. that's just not, you know, uh, those are people's lives that you're, yeah. you're just, that's a human being. They, they could have, yep. They could have done color codes. They could have done all, There's all so kinds much stuff. of shit. So they could have done. They done. done anything to make it safe for their company that they were running. I just don't get why you don't write their names down. Anyway, outer edge sucks. So, but anyway, it's about to get worse as far as how how terrible uh, thing like the, the treatment of this couple is. It was not long after their disappearance that rumors and speculation about what really happened to the Lonergans began. Particularly, Tom and Eileen's diaries had been found among their belongings, and they revealed that the pair were unhappy, and Tom in particular was depressed. Rumors were spread, mostly by the boat's owner, that either the couple had committed suicide, that Tom had murdered Eileen and then committed suicide, and even uh, that the pair had faked their deaths and made their getaway in another boat. People all over Australia reported sightings of the Lonergans, including one who claimed to see them in a bookshop in Port Douglas within days of their disappearance. Indeed, at the subsequent trial of the boat's captain, Jack Nairn, uh, for manslaughter, the defense used these diaries and the rampant speculation about what really happened to the Lonergans to sow doubt in the prosecution's case, to give an idea of what was found in the diaries. So, so you're hearing all this like, what the yeah. hell? It's crazy. But the diaries are pretty bad. But it's still, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it. But um, but to give you an idea of what was found in the diaries uh, on January 9th, 1998, this is just two weeks before this diving trip. Eileen wrote the following in her diary. Tom hopes to die a quick and painless death, and he hopes it happens soon. Tom's not suicidal, but he's got a death wish that could lead him to what he desires, and I could get caught in that. So, and apparently there, there are other entries, and I think in both their diaries, they're, they're kind of um, along those lines. But Do we got a mystery on our hands? Well. Because I thought I knew clear cut what, what happened. Well, they, but then the other thing is these... Like so, these were quotes. These are these were particular patterns. There's more like uh, that's that's out there, but not. I don't know that all of it's out there, but I think these were particular parts of diaries, but not necessarily like the whole diary was nothing but like suicidal shit. Like it's just like if somebody's putting all their thoughts on paper, and this is just, this is just huh. to kind of push back against because if you only hear that, it's like wow, that sounds really right. bad. Yeah. But if like it's if they're putting all if they're writing their diary every day and really opening up to it. Then, like, is that how, is that normally how they're talking, or is that something that, that they say every now and then? Right. Like, well, you get what I'm saying. Like, it's, what was on the page before that? Right. And that's what that's what I, I bring that up because I think the family was making that point that you just took particular passages yeah, out of their exactly. diaries of like, like them expressing some of their darkest emotions and feelings, and excluding everything else. And so it's out of context and people just think that that's the whole thing. They might've talked but about how it, they wanted to die and stuff like that. People talk about that shit all the time. Right. I mean, and I guess, you know, people need to open up somewhere. So if somebody's yeah. going to really open up in their diary, then, you know, you gotta, you gotta express yourself. If you were, if you were like, Hey Josh, how do you want to die? I would probably say the same thing he said, peaceful and whatever. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. Yeah. What's, what's on the page before it? And that's what I want to know. Right. And after. 
but apparently the fence strategy worked as the captain was found not guilty of manslaughter. Uh, Eileen's father, who traveled to Australia for the trial, stated, I was, I was disappointed in the verdict. I felt like the jury didn't believe that they were dead. And to me, that was the essence of the trial, was to prove that they had died. So that's, I mean, and again, you had a bunch of people all around Australia, like it was Elvis or something, reporting sightings of the Lonergans, including, again, a lady in a bookshop like in Port Douglas, which yeah. was their departure point, uh, just days afterwards. Like, does that make any sense if they're trying to fake their own deaths or, or like no. they're trying to fake it? They're going to just show up in a bookshop, in a fucking bookshop? No, they're not going to do that. And that lady didn't see shit. She just wanted to be on the news or yeah. whatever. So yeah. But I and I, I mean I get the the impression from what I read that it turned into kind of a, a bit of a media fucking frenzy. I'm sure it did. This is Australia. People you know, would love for you know how they are in, in Britain. They're I'm sure they're very similar in Australia. Like the way the media is like really fucking vicious. Um, they would love to have a story like that. A couple fakes their own death, found in a bookstore or whatever. Tupac lives here now. Whatever the fuck they want to say. Yeah. Shit like that. Indeed, the idea that the Lonergans committed suicide or faked their own deaths is ludicrous for several reasons. Uh, their bank accounts were never touched and their insurance policies were never claimed. Uh, moreover, the crew of the boat really did screw up the headcount. So if the couple were planning to commit suicide or fake their deaths by being left out in the ocean, their plan would have required the crew to make exactly the mistake they did, uh, something the, Loner- the Lonergans couldn't have foreseen, obviously. Yeah. So it doesn't make... It, it doesn't change the fact they did leave them out there. Like, it yeah. doesn't... like. And you're just basically saying, like, oh, no, they like that's the, that's the ultimate blame the victim. Yeah. Like we left them out to I, die in the middle of the ocean. Like, oh, they they killed. They wanted to kill themselves. And another. Or, or you know what? I think they got away. Or another boat came. The what fact, are you talking the fact about? that they never because obviously if you leave somebody in the ocean, they're going to disappear because they're going to fucking drown or get eaten by sharks. Um, but anyway, so, so, so get into that. So what happened to the couple uh, based on the state of the gear? Experts speculated that the Lonergans were not killed by an animal attack. So, like we said, there's no evidence of that on anything that they found that washed ashore. Uh, most likely, they became dehydrated in the blistering heat of the South Pacific. And remember, January is summertime in the Southern Hemisphere. Okay. Uh, which Got led, me. and this dehydration would have led to de- delirium. Moreover, they're getting you know pulled by the current, so they're they're getting taken away. Um, and this delirium could explain why they uh, removed their buoyancy gear and wetsuits without which they would not have been able to tread water for very long and thus drowned. Right. Uh, I could see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and their bodies, drink their bodies the were never found. Yeah. The more, as a matter of fact, I'm sure they ingested some salt water and it just dehydrates you even more. Yeah. So basically, and yeah, you're out in the fucking coral sea. You're out in mm-hmm. the, it's going to, the sun is going to be yeah, there's no bearing shade. down on you. No like, shade yeah, at all. No shade whatsoever. No I mean, trees seen, out there. Like baby. you've seen people who've been out in the ocean just like just floating like how, Sun blistered, they oh, are. Oh, they're blistered up. Yeah, they're um, third degree. And I've been in the Bahamas, and I'm sure it's just as bad, maybe worse, in the in where they were. And the sun is it will it'll, it'll fuck you up. Yeah, it'll it's like being in a microwave. Um, and so yeah, they would have with that heat bearing down on them, them having no water, no food. Um, at, at some point they would have become delirious, and and maybe then started drinking the salt water which would have only accelerated that process and then um feeling like they were constrained by their wetsuits and stuff just took all that off again not yeah. in the right state of mind and then just drowned yeah i mean I'm, or, or i bet or maybe they just took all that stuff off and intentionally maybe they just kind of like this is you yeah know, like what happened at the very end of open water what i'd like to think happened is eileen drowned 
Tom got eaten by a shark. That's what I like to think. Because they never found anything, any clothes. Well, again, that's... Any wetsuits from him or anything. Right. Well, yeah. No, they didn't find They said her clothing they found, and it wasn't ripped by teeth. So... Right. You know, I mean... Drowned, eaten by a shark. That's exactly what happened in the movie, which is not directly based on um, this story, but it's clearly inspired on it. That's what happened in the movie. In the movie, when he gets... It's possible. When he gets nipped by that shark. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. We can get to that in a moment. Okay. Um, or we get, we, I guess we get that right now. I okay. did want to mention, Whoa. I did want to mention one thing. <laughs> uh, the couple may, may still have been alive when the boat returned the next day. Uh, but since no one had checked the bags left on board the previous day, no one knew they were missing. Uh, there was no search conducted. That's when they found the, the weights. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, cool. 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 Extra, extra. Read all about not it. Extra. We just, <laughs> we just lost some weights. We got so some we free weights. Some. Read all about That's, it. Baby. What are the fucking odds of that? So now that that does go into the movie perfectly, because in the movie they were like reflecting things to try to get anything, a ship's attention, an airplane, right. whatever they're trying to get this. I wonder if they were doing that. I'm sure being divers, they're very experienced divers, they've thought yeah, about being I'm sure stranded they, at sea before. So yeah, I'm sure they did everything they could. You know, um, you know, I just thought of attention. If it happened to them, they probably lasted longer than most people would. Since them being experienced divers, probably well. So scenarios. remember that that um that diving board that they found that diving slate that they'd written on that their help yeah. message that was um times they wrote the time down. It was eight a.m. the next morning, so they 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 at least survived the night. Oh yeah, good point. So they were out there from three in the afternoon on uh, the twenty fifth of that Sunday. Yeah. And so they're still they're still alive to write. And she put we in it, so assumingly they're both alive. Eight a.m. on Monday the uh, the twenty sixth. You're right. Yep. So they did last that long, and again, that's how the movie does actually cor- like correlate pretty well as far as with what the timeline, like how that all played out. And it was later in that day that in the movie that, that they died. Actually, the guy died overnight. Uh, then yeah, she yeah, died yeah, the yeah. next day. Um, in, the, um, in the movie where, uh, and yeah, and so I do show, really wish introduced the movie. Open Water came out in 2003. It's oh, yeah. a it's yeah, a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's not direct. It's clearly inspired by this story, um, but it's uh, it, it's it, it's not direct. So it's not the, it's not the Lonergans in the movie. But and it takes the movie takes place in the Bahamas. Um, but it's probably a it could very well be what happened to the Lonergans. It's based on their story. Yeah, because it, yeah, it's based on their story. So in the movie, when they get left, everybody comes back in the boat, and then they have a party, and it shows them dancing and having a great-ass time. Wow. The Lonergans are just in the water floating around. Man. And that's that, just, so, man, that yeah, moment so is if like. You, if you heard the story, it, like, if, if you heard the story, just were thinking about, like, man, like, that would be crazy. Watch Open Water. Uh, it came out in 2003, I think. It's a very good movie, and it's basically based on this story. It pretty much is this story. It's just names have changed and places changed, but it's this, it is this story, and it really brings it to life in a horrifying way. It's one of the scare. It's a horror movie. It'll make you. But it's, feel it's a different. It is not one that it's not like a horror movie like you ever think of. But it's it was more horrifying than any fucking Nightmare on Elm Street movie I've seen. Because like, it, it it's fills real you with dread. Shit. It fills you with a sense of dread. Oh, like, I've never had a movie feel like. But fill me with dread before it fills you with so much anxiety. So yeah. if you're an anxious person, just beware. It's it's tough. And but you know what will help you is the way how weed. low quality it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the weed. Smoke some weed, and then how low quality the movie's shot. You might laugh 
um, some, well, this in is, most parts. Yeah, this, this is a weird shot the, movie, this is but the, it is a good movie. This is the funny thing about um, that movie is that their acting is so bad at first. Like when they're not in the water, their acting is not good. And I'm like these these guys like and you you won't recognize these actors. Um, but when they were in the water and like they had to really fucking act and like show real emotion, they were fucking great. And you Isn't know, that wonder, weird? I think I wonder if they just like the crew was like, we're going for lunch. We're going to keep a camera on y'all. Just we'll I, be back. I just left him really left him out in the fucking ocean. <laughs> that I would think, really fuck me up as an actor. And I, so, I would be, yeah, I wouldn't be acting anymore. It'd be so, real. So it would look real. Well, I think that is a bit, I think you're right on it. I think that's a big reason why their acting is so much better out in the ocean. Cause I did read a little bit about the movie okay. and they did put them out in the, the water. I don't, I mean, they didn't, I didn't leave them there. But if you put people out in the ocean like that, have them sitting out there, like they're really gonna get fucking like tired and like angry, and like they're gonna really, yep. they're gonna have real emotions come out. I think the girl, uh, the woman, she got actually bit by a, a barracuda, um, so she actually did get attacked by, you know, a fish Ooh, while she's out there. Barracuda, yeah, put that right there. Yeah, if you can put that in there. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, during the movie when they're... You, you uh, probably get some good acting out of people when you put them in a genuinely... That's why some directors damn near kill their actors yeah. or actually kill them because yeah. uh, they want to get that real uh, reaction. You know, in the part where uh, they fall asleep together and then they wake up and they're... And they're separated apart. Man, yeah. that is so scary. Yeah. Oh. And so they... the That's one of the scariest so parts. So to bring that back to the Lonergan case, they uh, the experts or investigators um, speculated that uh, the Lonergans probably used their, their weight, their dive weight belts. Um, they obviously dropped the weights and then probably tied them together to keep their bodies uh, like fastened together. That's what uh-huh. they, they speculate. They might've done that. That was a good idea. See, yeah, yeah they, Cause, have, yeah, that, you know what? Yeah. Cause they're, you're going to be exhausted out there and you're going to pass out and then, yeah, you can float away and just making a small, I mean, you remember when uh, Tom Hanks lost Wilson yeah. and Castaway? Like just a small distance, but if they're going the wrong direction, like it could be a real problem. Like yeah, it's it's hard to swim against the current. Against the current. Yep, it's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I was reading a, a comment on uh, I was watching a, the a video from a clip from Open Water, reading the YouTube comment section. So I was like, I'd, I'd just be straight swimming, y'all. I don't know why why they just stayed on Bob's Lane. Ha ha ha. So stupid. You're gonna swim against the damn current in the middle of the ocean. Like, and then I think the the comment was like, Bob's eventually lame. you'll reach something. It's like, yeah, no, the fuck, you, yeah, you'll you're reach the more, goddamn. You'll, you'll reach the the farther out in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> and you have no idea where you are. Yeah, Just look reach, around you. It looks reach, the same everywhere. You'll, you'll, like you'll reach wherever the current fucking takes you, and it's usually out. Yeah, it it's usually, usually out in. to sea. The current really, yeah, yeah it doesn't usually take, or if, when it finally does, you'll be fucking long dead by that point. Well, 65 your, miles your away. Your body will wash up, yeah, fucking six months later. On an alligator farm. <laughs> <It'll> fucking, <laughs> you're like, what the fuck, dude? I made like, it. I made, oh, shit. Yeah. What's worse? Uh, out in the middle of the ocean like this or buried alive? Go. Buried alive like as in... Just straight As up in buried, kill no, Bill, no but, but without the ability to fucking break without through. Without break through, yeah, in a pine box, buried. Ooh. Oh, oh no! It would have to be in the ocean. I, I I'd agree. Have to pick ocean. I agree. I don't think I can be. I can't I, be I, in a confined no. space like and that. And you can't do anything. Die. You can't yeah. do anything. At least in the ocean, you can go under and just suck in a bunch of water yeah, right. and drown relatively quickly. Yeah. You. 
let's and obviously you can just go under and not come back up. The situation is you're not going to be safe, so you have to pick which way, right? Right. Ocean. For yeah, you're sure. dying either way. Yeah. Ocean for sure. Yeah. And you know, what? I'm trying to get you. And you get some nice views out there. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful place to die. Yeah. Fuck it. At some point when you're just, you can't do it anymore. You don't want to die in a pine. That's where you're going to be put after you fucking die. You're going to die. You're going to die in the place that you're already going to be. That's like showing up too early. Yeah. I'm slitting my belly. Slitting my throat. Well, and I'm getting eaten by a motherfucking shark. Yeah. And I want to. Oh, you know, that's. I want to. If it's going to happen, I want it to happen. Like so that. you wanted to go, you, you want to attract, you don't want to just drown. You no. want to attract the sharks and get. I want to get ate up. You want to get in the middle. You want to be the middle of a feeding frenzy. Yeah, why not? Let's see that's, what that feels like. That's dope. I'm going to go anyways. That's dope. I'd rather that than water fill my lungs up and panic to death. Yeah. And that's what she, it would be terrible. Panic to death. You remember in The Prestige? Oh, I remember in The Prestige, bitch. That's a great movie. But God, you remember, it's such a good movie. And that he talks about, because um, you remember the guy's wife dies when she drowns in that yep. um, tube, in that mm-hmm, gla- he, that glass yeah, he, water thing, because he tied the, the, the other knot. knot, the harder knot. Mm-hmm. Um, he did that shit on purpose. And the guy, quote Michael Caine's character, quoted to him. And initially, he was like, oh, yeah, I knew a guy who almost drowned. And he said it wasn't that bad. Like He, he said it was like, because he like basically died. He's like, he said it was like going to, to heaven or something like that. Um, but then later in the movie, he was like, that's not really what he said. He said it was, it was agony. It was the most horrifying experience he ever had. Oh man. Cause that would be, cause you, yeah. I mean, no matter how much you've accepted that you're going to die, your body is going to react against yeah. it. You're when you're going out of existence, thank, it's going to freak out. And thank you, can't, you for bringing that's up just the prestige. Happen. Oh yeah. You remember the part yeah, 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 yeah. where it will talk about drowning still when, um, Batman Christian Christian Bale thinks that he's drowned, what's his name, and he's panicking in the water because he's he's caught him in the back or whatever and his trick, and he Wait, drowns him. But Batman? it's one of his. No, I'm talking. I called him Batman because I can't oh, remember his fucking Christian name. Christian Bale, yeah. yeah. So we're still talking about the Prestige. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I didn't, I didn't know his name. But Christian Bale. Uh, remember when? Okay, remember when Christian Bale traps um, Wolverine finally? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Remember when Christian Bale traps Hugh Jackman finally in the end or whatever, towards the end, and he thinks he's caught him, but it's really one of his many, like, doubles, and he shows up? Well, I feel like that happens so many times in the movie that <laughs> no, I, can, but there's, I don't... Like, there's, like, a time where he thinks when he's, he's in jail? killed him. No, after Christian Bale gets out, and he's, like, they're back and forth with each other, trying to ruin each other's tricks. Yeah. Remember? Okay. Uh, yeah. And then he traps him and locks him in the, in the uh, little tank, and he drowns to death, and he's panicking in there, and he drowns to death. Mm-hmm. But it's one of his little oh, creations. Oh, one whatever. of his, his, his little doppelgangers. doppelgangers yeah. yeah. And and at the end, you see all the bodies and all the hats yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That movie's so good. You know, I don't watch that shit. We're getting a little off topic here. Oh, we, um, oh, we can cut all that. But but anyways, I do want to I do want to end on a quote uh, from Roger Ebert uh, in his review of Open Water. But it's just it's kind of shows the intensity of this moment and this way to go. Quote, to be still alive, but removed from everything they know about how and why to live, is peculiar. Their senses continue to record their existence, but nothing they can do has the slightest utility. The movie is about what a slender thread supports our conviction that our lives have importance and make sense. We need that conviction in order to live at all. And when it is taken away from us, what a terrible fate to be left alive to know it.